Hey guys, welcome. Thank you very much for listening to the last episode of Football Centric. I'm so, so grateful. I mean, when I set out to record that podcast, I was thinking, you know, maybe just 20 people will listen, maybe 30, max 40 or 50. But hey, I got double of that across all platforms and I'm super, super happy about all of your reactions. People who listened, liked, shared, commented, retweeted my tweet as regards that podcast. I mean, I'm so, so grateful for all the support I got and I hope I won't let you down. Okay, so that's why I'm keeping to my words. I said last week that we'll be releasing another episode in next Friday, and here we are. This is the second episode of Football Centric, and I'm yours truly, Van Toby. And I'm so excited to bring this your way, and I hope that this episode is a lot more fun than the one of the previous week. Before I get into this week's package, here is what a couple of people said about my debut episode. It was cool. I liked it. Um, not a football fan, but it brought perspective to the world of football, and I hope to see the next episode. I believe it was really amazing being your first. It was really, it was really cool. <laughs> yeah, um, it was pretty nice. I um, I enjoyed everything about it, um, from the um, analysis to the comments and so on. It was it was really cool. I'm looking forward to the second episode as well. And we are back. On this episode, we'll be looking at Nigeria at the Nations Cup, our chances, players, formation, and expectations. We'll also be taking a look at Frank Lampard's imminent appointment as Chelsea's manager. Along the line, I'll be sampling people's thoughts about both topics. Promises to be an amazing edition. Let's get started. Okay, guys, yeah, so like I said in the first episode, sometimes I'll run solo, some other times I'll run with a co anchor. And guess what? I've got a co anchor in the house with me this Friday. How should I introduce him? Should I say, hey, Daniel, what's up? Or should I just say, introduce yourself? Daniel, <laughs> welcome to Football Centric. I'll be riding with him today. Yes. You have a wonderful show. He's going to be riding with me today. All right, so Daniel is a Liverpool fan. Yeah, so he was so excited when Liverpool won the Champions League a couple of best weeks team, ago. Wait, let's just let's just go back to that best period. Team in how, how did you feel when you went when, when you Europe. watched that final and Liverpool I, won the Champions League? I, I knew I knew we were going to win. I knew yeah, we everybody win. says that. I, I knew it was going to happen. Win. This is that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had the fire, firepower. Look at the front line: Mali, Salah, <laughs> Firmino. It's like the best front line in Europe. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're coming again. Like we need the next one. <laughs> Look you at these guys and the EPL too. We're getting the EPL. Too. Anyways, it's always very easy to say that after winning the Champions League. I mean, you come out and say, "Oh, you know what? We won the Champions League. We can go as far as winning it again." Real Madrid did so, so we can do it too. But it's, it's never so easy because other teams are coming hungrier than you think you are, and yeah, they're also equipping themselves. Look yeah, at Real Madrid. But that is tough. Liverpool had the dry spell for a really long period of time. So now that we have it, I don't think we're going to let it go. I think we'll win again and mm. again. And I'm definitely the EPL. It's going to be. Well, I mean, uh, having come that close to winning the EPL last season, it's points. it's only fair to say, yeah, you guys can go at it again. But but I think the trophy was asked to lose though. I think the game against Leicester that was lost the trophy. The you know what? Let's let's just switch it up from the Liverpool's failures in Premier League and their success in the Champions League, <laughs> and look at the teams that. Like, the Chelsea fan. Oh well. There we go again. <laughs> Let's quickly head over to what's happening in Egypt, where your talisman, 
Uh, yeah, Mohammed Salah. Salah. He's hosting Mo the whole of Africa. Egyptian king. That's what he does. I bet you don't even know how to sing a song. That's what he does. Mo Salah. Mo Salah. Egyptian king. Ah, no. That's not the song. That's how I sing it. Can you imagine? Liverpool fan who doesn't even know how to sing the Mo Salah song. Like, who is this guy? He's the king of Egypt. He's the king of Anfield. I mean, where's the part where they say Mo Salah, Mo Salah, Mo Salah, Mo Salah, running down the wind? No, no, no. They didn't say that. They didn't say that for a lot of players. So I'd rather go with Mo Salah, Mo Salah. Egyptian king. Oh my! This guy is coining. <laughs> and he's this... gonna be top scorer in Afcon too. Watch out! Watch All right, out. let's see. He's just, he's just got one goal. Yeah, he got one goal yesterday. That's all he needs. That's how Salah does. <laughs> all right, so let's quickly run through what has happened so far in the African Cup of Nations. I've got results of all of the matches that have been played so far um, across um, all the stadiums and all the teams and all the groups. At least uh, each group has played a single game at the very least. Other groups have played two games each as in Group A, uh, and a couple of other teams in different groups, okay? Well, there's something I've noticed in this AFCON, though. The, the turnout, supporter turnout, the stadiums are always empty. What is happening? Why? What's happening? Well, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, you look at the attendance for when Egypt plays compared with others. I mean, Egypt played against Zimbabwe and got mm. um, an attendance of 73,000 people. When... Uganda played against the Congo, just 1,083 people attended. Look at the disparity. Now, Uganda, well, also, you can see Uganda when they played um, on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had about 73,000 people watch that game. And that same day, also, Egypt played and had about 74,000. So, I think it's down to where these games are played. Uh, if you play in Kairos International Stadium, as where Egypt have played their two matches, there's a chance you have a lot of people coming to watch the game. But if you play elsewhere, as other countries have seen, like maybe in Alexandra, mm-hmm. you know, there's a chance that you have a, you know, lower, um, turnout. lower turnout. Mm-hmm. But let's quickly focus on where our countrymen are playing, and that's it. That's Nigeria well, at the moment. Well, I hate to cut short, but have you noticed how this Afcon has been? The scoring has been so low. Can you see a lot of one zeros, one zeros? What's yeah. happening? I mean, is, is the gap being bridged, and the smaller teams catching up with the bigger teams. I mean, there are different factors. The that I feel know? there are different factors we can actually um, look at as regards to to get to this conclusion. I mean, we can also say that Africa. Were more of were more physical mm. than technical, so teams would overall focus on using their brutes first and try to be a lot more tactical and flexible in the mm. approach. So maybe that's the cause, because teams will be maybe not overly defensive, but try as much as possible to be cautious and and compact, very so they don't leave too many margins for errors, and that's why we haven't we haven't seen too many goals. Teams are trying to get to the next well, round. But in my opinion, though, generally, I think the state of play has been. Not up to par to me, like compared to other. Well, that's because you you, you watch you watch a, you watch a lot of European football, so you expect to see African teams play like the Europeans. Unfortunately, we don't have as much quality in depth as these Europeans. So maybe that's why you and also look at it. This is the first time we're having twenty four countries play the Nations mm-hmm. Cup. And if you ask yourself truly, do we have how many quality teams we have in Africa? You get so when you when you bring in substandard teams. No disrespect, though, but you have teams like Burundi, but, but you know the funny Madagascar. Stuff. They're, they're, these are these aren't known for bowling nation. Yeah, so standard teams. Right? But if you look at the scorelines, for example, look at Nigeria, Burundi. Like the gap is there, but just one zero. 
Yeah, but I, I mean, what I, what I think would be the cause is, uh, like I said, mm. probably because of the quality in teams. Teams who know they don't have the quality would rather choose to defend, to defend right, and okay. give away little to the opponent. And maybe that's the reason why. I'm not saying it is the reason. I'm just saying that's why, you know, it could be the reason why um, we're hitting too many goals. But we hope that, you know, in the next round, we get to see a lot more goals coming through. Because AFCON is a like the showcase of African football to the world, right? Yeah. So we need to like get more neutral fans interested in the matches. But you, you know, the, you, know the, you know, the, you know, the, you know the good thing about it at the moment mm. there are different tournaments going on. There is a Copa America in South America. Oh, okay. There is a Gold Cup in mm-hmm. North America. Mm-hmm. We also have the African Nations going on. FIFA World Cup is also running by the side. Mm-hmm. But yeah. the FIFA Women's World Cup, by the way, yeah, sorry, yeah, is running by the side. So it means that. They are diff- like different. The audience right now have got mm-hmm. their sport for choices. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can pick whichever one you want to watch. But when it gets to, I think the knockoff phase mm-hmm. of the Nations Cup, the African Nations Cup, mm-hmm. it would only be the competition running. The Cup America would round it up. Gold Cup will also be rounding up, and we'll just have the Nations Cup. So maybe then we'll have a lot of people watching and streaming across the world. Well, so far, are you impressed with like the play? Oh uh, well, I think I haven't watched. Too many teams, but if you have watched, I think I'll say I've been impressed. I mean, when I dropped it against Guinea on uh, on Wednesday, uh, I thought the, the Nigerian side did well. Guineans also did well. Give a give a, give a good, good account of themselves. Give a good account of themselves, and um, try as much as possible to limit the Nigerians to uh, just a few chances. Mm-hmm. And um, if not for you know the willpower of Kenneth Omiero, Nigeria probably would have drawn that game. But I mean, overall, I think the play hasn't been terrible. Okay, it's been decent, and I wasn't expecting a totally flamboyant nations cup mm-hmm, or teams mm-hmm. coming to play like Brazil or or Portugal or some other team. So it was a lot more, you know, very very interesting and cagey and compact. So we, we, I mean, you you're always on the edge of your seat to the last minute because any team can win it, any team can draw the game, any team can lose it. But I think the outstanding game so far has got to be the Guinea. Versus Madagascar game because yes, 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 that yes, that was yes. that's the game that has yeah, gotten goals. more goals yes, than any other yes, match. Yes, got four yes. goals where Guinea and Madagascar, you know, shared these balls. Yes. It was two two. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I mean, okay, you know what? Let's just focus on Nigeria at the moment now. So from uh, from after watching the first game, I thought that Nigeria needed more than Mikel would be in that midfield. Yes, mm-hmm. I feel in that position we don't have quality in depth. That's why Mikel had to start the first game playing that role. And next game it was Alexander. It was it Wobi who played that role? That and Iwobi wasn't as efficient as a, as I was expecting him to be. He, he doesn't see, he doesn't he doesn't have that composure on the ball in when he plays behind the striker. I think he does well better when he plays out on the wings because he can run at defenders and try to beat a man or two. But as an attacking midfielder, he doesn't have that decisiveness. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have the the accuracy. You know, when you are passing the ball between the lines, he doesn't have that accuracy that, you know what, pass the ball to fit, and he does that. And um, he doesn't even have enough power on his shots. People, yeah. Time he wants to hug the line and run. You get, so, I mean, so, at the moment, we don't have a 10 in particular. We don't have a natural 10. What, what we'll be doing from now onwards will probably be just to see if one player can do the job for that game. 
and that's it we have no 10 at the moment and we hope that god blesses us in the nearest future <laughs> with the 10 if not like jojo kocha maybe close to all in fact better than but at the moment we've got no creative spark no creative nobody that can pick the ball you know beat the man or two in the midfield and pass but, but we don't have how a country with almost 200 a population of almost 200 million people can but when the, our team is meant to be better than this, like Okocha retired, we never had it ten. Yeah, that's that that's the, that's that's like, that's that's shocking. That's the unfortunate thing, you know. We're hoping that that changes. And the scouts not doing but but well but, enough. but let me ask you. I so no opportunities for young stars. What is the what do you think is the major issue? What I I I, I think people have people kids. have different people will have different reasons to this. I feel that uh, we have got no 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 structure. In terms mm-hmm. of players' development, uh, a couple of years ago, the NFF started, the MPFL, rather, the MPFL, the LMC. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of years ago, the LMC started the MPFL 1 2 3. Was, like a, uh, was it MPFL 1 2 3? One tournament for young stars between the ages of like um, under 12s. Mm-hmm. And I think it was something the La Liga, because they had a, they have a partnership with the LMC, you know, suggested and they incorporated it into the Nigerian of, um, footballs structure but from then onwards we haven't really seen the progress or we haven't seen the growth yeah Uh, i think they continue this year but in different stratas but overall i don't think we have got a structure that allows for youth teams fitness teams to and what i think is i think another issue we have is the progression from under 17 and under 20 to national team is very poor Mm. We have most of the time we have players that perform so well at the under seventeen level, under twenty level, but they never transition to the senior team. I think that's a major problem we've had. I don't know what we can attribute that to, but most of the time we have great players go perform at the seventeen level, go perform at the twenty level, but we can't get them into the senior team either because they are no longer good enough, or somehow. But or, this has to be fixed. Or somehow they. They told us the wrong age. Exactly. I think that's the. <laughs> so when it I'm comes down, to, that, when it comes down to me, I'm 17 and the, the, the yeah, guy yeah, is like, yeah, guy is like 27. Yes. So by the time you're expecting to be 21, he's <laughs> already 31. Yeah, true, true. And you're like, this guy, you're young. You're meant to be running down. And like, guy, yes, I don't even yes, know my yes, age. Yes, yes, yes. I think so that could also be it, but. Hey, so if we can catch them young, if we can have those competitions for under twelve, under fifteen, and we get actual young stars, I think. But but, but 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 honestly, I, I think um, this squad we have at the Nations Cup isn't totally old. We have got one of the youngest squad in tournaments, and I don't uh, think the squad is special either. You know, it's not, it's not special. It's just a group of mixed of young, of youth and experience mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i think that's that's the perfect blend going into a tournament like this and we have also i mean going to the, we've played two games now mm-hmm. and we haven't considered a goal and we've scored two goals not so great but i mean we're doing the job but to be fair our first game was against burundi <laughs> that's not that's the game it's the game nigeria should win every but day, you know what you day. can you can only you can, day, you can only day. play what's in front of you so <laughs> if it was burundi if it was another team i was uh, probably would have gotten them mm. gotten them gotten a victory there too so. so talking about that game against guinea uh where kenneth amiri was our savior the day before yesterday the oh, big man yeah the big man i spoke to my friend um Dimola, and he said this about that game six points from the first two games leaves little to be complained about but the lackluster performance of the teams over those two fixtures do give a little bit of concern especially the lack of creativity in the midfield with Ndidi and Itebo 
we've they've defensively played well, but both with Mikel as a pivot and now it will be in the second game, left a bit to be desired. Why Moses Simon started, even though he got the assist, is another question to ask because I believe Samochuku is with his explosion and also with the um, situation with Simon Kalu should be getting the starting shirt down the right. Musa's inclusion did give us a bit of pace and directness as well as Igalo, but our attack and midfield really do need a lot of work. But the performances of our centre-backs, Numero in particular with his goal today, and also our left-back Olaino with his assist in the first game, and just general solid defensive play from all three are good signs ahead. Well, it is tournament football. We can be disappointed with the with the um, tactics and the performances, but nonetheless, our results have been spectacular. Six points out of two, we move ahead to the Madagascar game, um, expecting another three points from there, nine points to top our group, and that is a necessity. We must put ourselves in the best position for the knockout phase because, we, as we have seen, knockout football can be unpredictable and it's best we give ourselves the best chance. So, performances, not the best, but in a tournament, is the results that counts. Yeah, so performances not the best, but in a tournament, it's results that count. Those are the words of my very good friend, Demola Salami. Mm-hmm. And Daniel says he agrees with what he says. Yeah, I do, I do, I do. Because t- tournament competitions are different from your, your typical league season that stretches over a long period of time. Yeah. Games like this, tournaments like this, it's about getting the win. That's what matters. Most teams tend to evolve and develop as the competition progresses. So I think, uh, fair enough, Nigeria could improve, but there's a lot of work to be done. A lot of work. So, so let's break our analysis down the Nigerian team. Let's start from the goalkeeping department. We'll just, you know, touch on each department and um, wrap up our focus on Nigeria. So let's quickly run through our goalkeeping department. Are you convinced? Are you are you what what do you think about Daniel Akpay in goal for Nigeria? Well, what I'll say is this he's doing well so far, but you have to remember he has not really been tested. He's only played a good team, so there'll be lots of shots at him that we really know. But so far the defense has held up well, so it makes his job easier. So do you think um last game against uh Madagascar? Mm. Sorry, yeah. Madagascar. Yeah. Do you think in the la- last game against Madagascar we should rotate the goalkeeping departments? I'm having qualified for the next round. Uh, the stuff is with goalkeepers is tricky. I think for a tournament like this, that all the matches are in a short space of time, rotation sometimes can do more harm than good. So mm. I think it's better to leave him there so he has like a better communication and confidence with the defense. I think it's better to leave him there. Oh, okay. I agree with you. Think that uh, we need to keep the goalkeeper yes. um, right there so he can continue to have that. Blend with the defense, yes. he knows which position uh, he has that confidence going forward. So, to clinch it down with a good yeah, start, yeah, totally agree with you. And then, let's quickly talk about the defense. The first game against uh, against uh, Burundi, yeah, um, we used a, a, a totally different, not a totally different defense to the one we used against Guinea, but mm. there were some changes. I mean, the first game against Burundi, um, Nigeria played with. Kenneth Amiru partnering with um, Trust Ekong in the centre back. Um, Sheo Abdullah played at right back and Olaino played at left back. Sheo Abdullah got injured in, during the game and mm-hmm. was replaced by um, Awaziem. And um, this the second game against um, Guinea, to, not a totally different defence, but there were changes. Mm-hmm. The only change, in fact, was um, Leon Balu coming in place of Trust Ekong. Mm-hmm. Means that Kenneth Amiru could miss the last game 
against uh, Madagascar. Madagascar if the coaches is to rotate and give each of the players equal playing opportunities or he plays and suggests mm-hmm. that he is the first choice when it comes to that defense. That's in the well, bad position. My, my, my honest opinion is this, right? If it's, if it's not broken, there's no need to fix it. Mm. I think the defense, they've played two games, two clean sheets. There's no point going to change something that will mentally affect the defense line along the But, line. I mean, if he changed it in the first game, he brought, he changed, he, he brought um, Leon Balogun for this next game and mm-hmm. they didn't consider the goal. So, it's still the same thing. Yeah, but, but the change was enforced in a way, right? Because of the injury. No, I mean, no, make... no. The, the injury was to show up the lie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's why he didn't play the next game. But I don't think Trust Econ suffered an injury in the first yeah, but what I feel is, I think now we have, we have a defence line that I trust already. So I think he has to just stick to this. It's different if they start, then maybe later on the second half he can bring on the other guys. But what you're, what you're saying is, keep the in, in the defence... He should keep the team. Yes, because right now, to me, all I know and Omero standout performance. Mm. All I know has been amazing. He has been really. I mean, coming from someone who um, was sent back Mm -hmm. from the squad that got to the World Cup last year. Mm. I mean, for 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 someone who suffered that kind of um, situation, and you know, having got so close to getting the World Cup, and then you know, he just didn't make the final shortlist. He has gone back. Worked on himself, got him better at Torino, and now he's back. First team yes. guaranteed. Yes. You know he has a left back lockdown. I mean, for someone who plays at the right back at club football, he is doing an amazing job. He's so versatile. Yeah, he's very. So thumbs up to Olaino, proper Niger boy, and he's getting the work done. Show them. Yeah, correct guy. <laughs> All right, moving up to the midfield where we have a lot of problems yes. right now. The only player who has stood out without any shadow of a doubt has got to be Wilfred in Didi. He put in yes. an amazing shift yesterday. He's doing a yeoman's job. And DM. this guy just it just he does DM. everything. Like yes. he gets close to a player who has the ball and he just takes the ball off the guy like if the guy ball wasn't there at all. He's so good. So at good. Yes. I mean, I was I was so impressed with his performance and I was thinking, wow. The is this team. guy this good? Yeah, the midfield battle between him and Keita was was he he bust the midfield totally? I mean, he did every single thing apart from yes. scoring a goal in that game. I mean, it was a rock, and I think we can build a team around him. Yes, yes, without yes. any doubts. But the issue, like 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 Demola said earlier, the issue we're having now is having a table and Didi in the midfield. It's making the midfield too defensive. I think it's affecting our. Well, That's what I, I feel. I, I don't want to agree with that because I think a table is a lot more. Is a box to box midfielder. He he has energy, has space to burn, so he can run from deep, go forward. He's got energy, he can shoot. Box to box midfielder. He has a box box. So I mean, so when you're playing a defensive midfielder, sometimes you play a defensive midfielder with a deep line playmaker. Means you, you guys will be sitting deep and okay, shooting play from deep well, long balls into the areas. But if you play with someone like a table, it means that you have you're playing someone who's got energy who can pick the ball and run forward and run back. That's why people complain that he holds the ball too much. But that's how he plays. I mean, he holds he holds onto the ball, runs with the ball, and whenever he loses the ball, he has the energy and willingness to run back, track back, and also putting tackles to get the ball back. So we have got a very, very combative midfield, def- um, double pivot midfielder, uh, oh, midfielders. And I think you... at some point when we need to grit results, when we need to grind at results, it might just come good. But well, I think we need a midfield that creates more chances. I agree with you. And you yeah. know what? You see, the yeah. thing is, at this point, the job is done already. 
Yes, if we hadn't won the games, we would have talked about how many chances we're creating. But we're getting to the point where chances creation wouldn't be all that important if you can create one or two and score. That's when you get to the knockout phase of the tournament. And I think at the moment, we've qualified, the job is done. My, my fear is I, I feel the reason why people talk about all of these things is, mm. yes, we, we, we all play games against them. Um, Guinea and Burundi, these are teams you expect in the normal day. Mm-hmm. Um, we should Especially walk over Burundi. them. Yeah. And we Don't fail to, to them. of course. And we fail to create chances to, you know, dominate these games. People talk about, oh, why don't we have creatives in midfield and all of these things? But like Dimola said, the game is because the game I'm, has I'm, been I'm won. Is this, right? the, but like the issue with creating few chances is this, right? We've played two games and not considered. What happens when we play a bigger team and we consider go and we have issues creating chances? That's well, when you know the strength of a team. Now yeah. we're winning, we're playing team. What happens when we play the likes of Egypt, the likes of Senegal, and we consider go and we need to create chances? That's why we need the midfield that keeps taking the ball forward. So what do you suggest? I suggest they bring a creative midfielder. Who is in it? There. You guys just act like we have one creative guy who is just somewhere, just chilling and just <laughs> waiting to be called. Where is the creative? Right? I feel can you can you can you can you name? Mikel Mikel seems to be our best mm-hmm. option there, no doubt. But when he played against uh, Burundi, he didn't inspire well, confidence. Game, and, and some else, and some else, I want to point out right. Right now, we're playing a 4 to 3 1. Like our last game against Guinea, we played a 4 to 3 1. Yeah. I don't think that really suits us right now so because you, of the personnel. So, what formation do you think? I think it's better we play a 4 3 3. So, we can put in Didi as the DM. Yeah. Then have two guys in front of him, like a creative guy. And I think. When I went. Mikel and. If you watch the game against Guinea, mm. there was one point where switching between 4 2 3 1 and 4 3 3. At some point, a table would switch and play. Just beside Iwobi as yeah. two attack midfielders and indeed he sits. I, I think the personnel we have for Trishi would do was more good. That's what I feel. Because that way you can keep Ndidi in DM as the ball so, so that means that so, 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 so that means yes. that means our midfield still has a lot of work to be done. Yes, because you need goals from the midfield. So. Alright. Let's move on to the attackers. We've just got a position for one attacker yes. in the coach's um formation. Mm-hmm. And over the last two games we've tried Two different attackers. First game was um, Paul Onacho, this striker who mm-hmm. plays in Belgium. And um, he was subbed off in the first game against Burundi for um, Ojoy Gallo, who eventually caught on and got a winner against them. Mm-hmm. And the next game was Ojoy Gallo who started, probably because he got the goal against Burundi, mm-hmm. Burundi in the first game. That's yep. why he started the next game. But still didn't inspire enough confidence. I mean, he got, there was a chance in that game when he was through. It was okay. There was a chance in that match where he could easily have passed to Ahmed Musa to oh, put us yes, in the yes, first half, yes, yes, he, but he just he chose oh, to oh, find the near post of the goalkeeper. I, I don't really have an issue with that though, because to me, in my opinion, I feel a striker has to be selfish sometimes. But there are some points you where you realize that your chances of scoring. That's how you show you're hungry. But there, there, there's a point or there's a position you get into where you feel okay, my chances of scoring from here. Is very very slim. There would have been a better chance to score if he had passed the ball to Musa, who was clear on goal. All he would have just done would be to tap it into the empty net. But he chose to find the near post, and the goalkeeper was in a very good position. If he had found the near post, the goalkeeper would have saved. He didn't even find the near post. He found the side I, net. I think he didn't connect well. If he had hit the ball, so I mean, if Nigeria hadn't won that game, yeah, he probably would have. <laughs> Coming Bro- for him, you get to so that, have, that, how how he became how he became a hero in that game against Burundi. He would have yes. turned to a villain yes, if yes, yes. Um, we hadn't won that game 
against uh, oh, well, let's, let's what, what do you think is the major problem like our, our front line our attacker right do you think do you think they are getting a lot of service or do you think they're not like what do you think, do you think, I think midfield we've, we've talked about them? it our midfield isn't as great as or as we expected to so if your midfield isn't great i mean you, so you don't expect the attackers no, right? so you don't yeah fall. because how many chances will attackers get look at the first chance um igalo got against uh against burundi mm-hmm. i mean that was a sweet pass from from uh line up mm-hmm. and he, he finished it beautifully yeah although i'll cut him some slack Attackers sometimes misjudge situations and fail to create or maximize opportunities. But if you give your attackers flurry opportunities, they will score goals. But if you fail to do that, I mean, at some point in the game against Guinea, we're creating, we're holding the ball, we had possession of the ball, but we just couldn't create good chances. Mm-hmm. So if you fail to create chances, your attackers won't score goals. No, so I, I think agree, I agree for attackers, we just need to find a way to make sure our midfielders. A lot more creative. If we want to switch to wing play, I mean, let our wingers put proper balls into the box, or you know, find ways to connect the attackers. Because once you don't have midfielders who can create chances for your attackers, they won't get chances. And when they don't get chances, they wouldn't score. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I agree with you on that because I feel we can fault the attackers when chances have been created and they're missing too. But so far in these two games, I think I think they've done okay. All right, so uh, we've talked about our players, we've talked about our formation individually and collectively. Let's talk about our chances. Daniel, how far do you think we'll go? Uh, I think, I think, I think we'll get to the semis. We always get to the semis of the Nations Cup. I think, I think third place will be for, for <laughs> what I, no, no, what, what the pessimistic let's, Nigerian let's, we have let's, here. Let's, let's be realistic, right? Based on the standard of play, generally. I think I think I think a third place is fair or less to improve. I don't think we can do better than that. Okay, I well, I think we can get as far as the finals. I mean, I, I feel like I'm the most op- optimistic Nigerian around here. Like everyone who everyone <laughs> who I, everyone who I come across says, uh, "Oh, uh, 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 well, we'll probably get to the semi-finals." No, no, no. I'm not trying to be sentimental. Uh, see, I'm just trying to be realistic here. Our chances of meeting likes of Egypt will be as far as the finals. So let, let me just quickly ask guys, Nigeria, which mm. which country do you think? I'll, I'll, I think I'll tilt towards Salah, right? Egypt and <laughs> of course or Senegal. No, no, it's not that. Of they course, have, Salah money. They have, they have the home. <laughs> they, have, they, they have home advantage. They're playing at home. They're yeah. playing in front of their loved ones. They'll give. They'll give. I think they'll do that. I think they'll win. And if you look at the history of Afcon, right? Most of the time, when North American countries host Afcon, they tend to win it. Like if you look at yeah. it. So I think the home support will. Push them to win. I think they'll. I think Egypt is the team for me. Well, I, I don't think we'd meet either of Egypt or Senegal on route the finals. So it means that we have got a better chance of getting the finals. Mm, we'll see. We'll see. We'll yeah. See. So, still puts credibility to my own opinion that we'll get as far as the finals. All right. So that's our wrap on the Nations Cup. We're going a quick, sh- quick break. Let's catch some air. We'll come back. We'll switch over to the world of transfers where one particular club, one particular player has been causing a lot of talk, a lot of uh, rave, a lot of discussions, a lot of banters and all after this break. Before, before we go, feel, feel, feel free to join the conversation. You can add us on Twitter, mention, just join the conversation. Like, yep. Tell us how you feel. Yep. Tell us your opinion of Afcon and everything. Yep, definitely. All right, let's quick go and break. Right back, Shelly.
All right, guys, welcome back. It's still football centric, and I'm Toby joined by Daniel. Daniel, you never walk alone. <laughs> the claims to never walk alone. Let's see <laughs> how that goes. Uh... <laughs> okay, let's go. Let's talk about a team that seems to be walking alone at the moment, and that's Chelsea, who in the past few months have experienced the highest level of the blues success. The yeah, the one in year for Europa League. Got back into the Champions League. The blues, the blues, the blues. And then after, sold their best player to Real Madrid and allowed their manager leave for Juventus. So right now, Chelsea are in a state of rebuild. But, but the thing is, I think Chelsea Chelsea management, right, sometimes it baffles me. How do you lose your best player and lose your coach at the same time? I mean, if your best player wants to leave. It's I mean, a lot to feel, right? Yeah, I mean, but Chelsea got enough money for Hazard's um, departure. Yeah, but I mean, but what, but what he brings to the team. Yeah, the issue. thing is, Chelsea always Hazard, Hazard has said in his mind that he wanted to leave, and it would have been foolhardy for Chelsea to decide against that, considering the fact that this guy for seven years gave everything for the club. So I mean, you have to respect that decision and allow him to leave in the best possible way. And I mean, for a player who had just one year left in his contract, the amount I remember just signing for, how Chelsea got for him was quite a deal. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a really, it was a, it was a really, really good deal. But no one, no fan. Like I don't think there's any fan here who really cares about how much a player is sold yes. outside of the bragging rights. It's about what he brings. To yeah, people. I mean, nobody, you won't get a dime off any player's sale. So yes. it's just about the fact that hey, this guy, the fans, you know, good football and Hazard in Chelsea was good football. Yeah, and for Mauricio Sarri living, I mean, it was clear fans were divided. Fans, some fans liked him. I did like him. I loved how he played. I loved how he saw football. But some didn't. And, um, I mean, he saw a, a better chance going back to Italy where his football is understood. What I feel is this, right? Chelsea expectations, both from fans and the management, sometimes makes it tricky for managers. Well, I, I think he attained or he achieved the objectives that was set before him for the he, season. He was, he, was just, he was there for one season, right? He came with a philosophy. It takes time. Let's uh, see Guardiola, uh, that's, for that's, that's why, season, that's why everyone I... Everyone felt his style was never going to work. Mm. But he needed time to build the team. But Chelsea management, I don't know what it is, but they just don't give coaches enough time to transcend their ideologies to the pitch. I don't get it. I mean, that's why I, I was one of those fans... As a Chelsea fan, I was one of those who backed him. Mm-hmm. I thought his style was intriguing. I liked, I liked how he played. In fact, that's how I play on FIFA, for those who know me. Yeah, like pass the ball around quickly, uh. quick passing, and all of those things. And I felt he just needed time and right players. Unfortunately, Chelsea were going to have a ban. And, I mean, if you if Chelsea suffers a ban and he wasn't able to sign players, it would eventually result in him being sacked. Because I don't think Chelsea would have improved a lot more from last year if he still had the same set of players he had last season. So... Um, he had a better option of going to Juventus where they had a truckload of money ready but, to spend and guaranteed titles. Where does that leave Chelsea do? now? In the I mean, Chelsea right now, Chelsea what right now, change? Chelsea right now are in a state where they have to rebuild, and this could just be the best time, the best time actually to do that, considering the fact that they um, have one of the best academies in England. They can easily pick a couple of players from the academy, and um, now there's a talk of Frank Lampard being the new manager. Hopefully by the time this podcast goes out, hopefully by the time the the podcast going back home, yeah. Hopefully by the time the the podcast goes out, um, he might have been announced as the manager of Chelsea, 
And there's a lot I feel he can bring. He can unite the club fan base who are already divided, divided as regards how but, Sarri was treated by some but fans. But with Chelsea approaching Lampard is this, right? I feel I almost feel bad or feel sad for him because I feel he's going to be fired. It's a matter of time. Because I mean, the Chelsea demand, I don't think I don't think there's any manager who is appointed by Chelsea who doesn't think at some point that he might be fired. I mean, that should just be a push when you become a coach at Chelsea. You, yeah, you, you, you need to know that, you know what, if I don't give in my job, if I don't put in, my, if I don't put in any effort and I don't get a result, yeah, but this I risk take being time. fired. If, you have, if, you, if a new manager comes, True. it takes time. True. You can't but, but, but only few clubs have the tendency to guarantee you that spell of time to actually imprint your work. Clubs like Liverpool, clubs like Arsenal, do that. They allow you, you I know. Did that too, Padula, I think for Pep Guardiola, it was it was it was always going to succeed. It was regardless of how, like if, his first year, he was going to succeed and haven't struggled to get his signature. Haven't wait. His first year wasn't that great, but haven't struggled to get a signature from Bayern. I don't even think Manchester will just let him go after that season. I mean, he's so good a manager. You don't think he wouldn't succeed at any club, given given he had the resources. I mean, so that's why he had the style of play, but. Yeah, so I, I think for Sari, um, I, I thought, you know, he it was down to his decision. I don't think Klopp wanted him to leave. He was just down to his decision. He wanted to leave and Juventus came oh. with, a, off, with, with an offer. Uh, and, um, I mean, it was only reasonable but let me, but let me for the club to allow him to leave. As a Chelsea fan, let me ask you this, right? Objectively. Yeah. Do you think Lampard is the best man for the job? Considering the fact that he's not that experienced. Do you think he's the best man for the job? Do you think, do you think the stage or the point that Chelsea are at right now, the crisis that Chelsea are at, losing Hazard, losing the coach, do you think Lampard is the best man for the job? Well, to be honest, I I have my reservations about Lampard. I I don't think he's his is is the coach or the manager that 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 I don't think he's ready for the job. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's. Dress, I don't think he's coached enough to be ready for the job. However, mm-hmm. is there anyone ever ready for a job like this? I think I think some coaches will be ready though. So and the thing the thing is, over the past couple of years, I've seen instances where even the most experienced coaches get jobs like this and get fired. And and there's, there's and, and, and and look, France, I look I, hold on I look at how it has worked at Chelsea. France, Mm-hmm. Players who, fans. or fans or coaches who have little experience, mm-hmm. seem to have succeeded more than players. The stuff is there's some, more than there's some Chelsea fans always say they always go back to the argument. Oh, look at Guardiola. Guardiola, Barca got him and he won. That's what I was you, going you to. You remember something? Hold on, like, hold Guardiola, Guardiola worked under some really great managers before he became manager of Barcelona. Would you say that? What you, you say about Lampard? What has Lampard worked with? He has worked with Jose Mario, he has worked with Rafa Benitez, he has worked as with Carlos right? as a player. Yes, no, no, no. As Pep as Gajula, as I don't think Pep Guardiola had... No, no. Yeah. I don't think he had a managerial role. I, I think... I think it was... No, 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 no. no. He wasn't. He was, he was coaching the... You have the the Barcelona B team. Yes, exactly. So that's... How would you compare coaching the Barcelona B team with coaching a club? In the championship, there are different levels to all of those things. Yeah, so, but at the same time, you can't compare Barcelona. End of the day, philosophy. end of the day, I, I feel Frank Lampard logically, right, doesn't seem to be the best man for the job in terms of ability as a coach and experience. Because an experience, because he hasn't spent a long time as a coach. But in football today, mm-hmm. 
anybody can cut it as long as you have the intelligence the ability the wherewithal this, to coach a team and this, no this one rash, knows you know what you know because so, right? sometimes it could just be back, it could this, just this rash decision takes me back to when Chelsea signed Andre villas boas yeah that? after he won the treble with porto right yeah i think i think this is deja vu but i think for for, for I, think, I think for chelsea for, for chelsea what's going for lampard is the fact that this is a player who was at a club for over um 13 years mm-hmm. he was is the club's highest goal scorer of mm-hmm. all time mm-hmm. he knows the club more than a few other more than most of the other coaches he also have employed and i think he would have the respect of the players too and the love of the fans so i mean there's there are a lot of there are a lot of positives mm-hmm. in chelsea signing lampard than negatives i mean the positives are with the negatives by a land mile so it only makes sense that chelsea gets him i mean if the positives are that much yeah. why won't you sign him I mean, which other manager wants to coach Chelsea knowing fully well that Chelsea currently have a transfer ban, won't be able to sign players, they've sold Hazard, the best player. Why would any coach think Chelsea will sign him and not fire him by December if results don't go their way? But for Frank Lampard, I mean, he could still have a little, a little leeway from the from the big man, Roman Abramovich, who would think, okay, you know what, it's Frank Lampard. I mean, this is the first year and I hope things will get better. Time. Hopefully, they give him time, okay? So, if he becomes Chelsea manager, when he becomes Chelsea manager... Where do you think it will finish? Uh, I, th- I think Chelsea will finish outside of the top four. Okay. This season, his first season outside of the top four. Losing, losing Hazard is a big, big miss. Losing Hazard and losing a manager. I think top four, it, I think it's just too... It's a lot for his first season. I, I think the Spurs, the Liverpool, the Man City, and probably Man U. I think the fourth place should be between Man U and Arsenal. I don't think Chelsea will get in his first season. Hmm. I don't think so. All right, Daniel says and Chelsea. You have to bear in mind that Chelsea is going to play the Champions League next season. So yeah, there's a lot of matches to be played. I know they played Europa League last year. It was a lot of matches so, too. More matches than Champions League. So By now two. I, I think I, I, I am sure Chelsea will not finish in the top four. Okay, that's what Daniel says. Yeah. Chelsea wouldn't finish in the top four. Yeah. Remains to be seen what happens if when Chelsea or if Chelsea finish in the top four when Chelsea gets Frank Lampard as their manager. For me, a very optimistic Chelsea fan, I think Chelsea. Well, it's hard to say this, right? It's, it's hard to say this. And um, yes, you can say it's blinding, but I just think, I mean, um, look at other teams. The only teams right now who are in a better place than Chelsea would be City and Liverpool and maybe Spurs. But Chelsea finished ahead of Spurs last year. So I think it's going to be a battle for a top four finish. It's going to be a battle. Doesn't mean we won't finish in top four. Or doesn't mean we'll finish take, in it. Okay, let's, yeah, let's take so a look at Chelsea. It's going to be a battle. Let's take a look at no, Chelsea. No, let's wrap up. Time Once you take a look at Chelsea last season, right? If you take Hazard out of that team, you're basically taking 50% of, of the goals. Off. Yeah, I know. So this, that's what Chelsea's losing. But I mean, once he's not there, someone has to feel we'll it. We'll see, we'll see. We'll and that remains to be seen. who will feel it. I agree with you. But... When Ronaldo left United, he, he got the season before he left United, he got like 45 goals. And when he left, they still won the title. Or, no, they didn't win. No, they didn't win the title. All right. So this is where we are joining the continuation show today. Daniel, thank you very much for coming around. My pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah, hope to have you again some other time. All right. All right. Centric. So that's been Football Centric, the second episode. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, please share, like, comment, retweet. Any Twitter has to do football centric and trust me. Join the argument. Yeah. Join the conversation on social media everywhere. Please. Let's get this going. All right. See you again some other time. Till I come here again. Mother here. Bye. Oh Lord.
Ami Dari Diwan Go fait nous tant fixe baby Lokak baby number one